Welcome to Nightlock, a Hunger Games podcast. Here and welcome to Nightlock Podcast, where we cover anything and everything related to the Hunger Games franchise through news stories, book analysis, fans fiction, related music, product reviews, as well as other fun segments. We're back today. I'm joined by Hunter, who was on Nightlock hey. back in November. So, welcome back, it's Hunter. Good to be back. Thanks. It's awesome to have you back on. I think we had an awesome episode uh, back in November. I think we had four episodes, so you're on one of them. I want to say maybe one of the earlier ones. Uh, I actually think I was on one of the the later ones. Later ones. All right, I'm completely yeah. wrong. <laughs> that actually, happens every once in a while. It's been a while since we hosted our typical show. We've had interviews for the past two episodes, which was a nice little break, a little bit different. But today we're back. Chapter analysis, listener feedback, some fun segments, news. So we're starting Mockingjay and our chapter analysis and the fan favorite through the eyes of Katniss Everdeen. We have some major news stories to catch up on. And along with our other fan favorite segment, which we're going to keep as a surprise so we keep you guys listening. Have a hook in there. So, yeah, stay tuned. We have a packed show ahead. And we're going to start out like, you know, our normal doing the news, Panem Post. And we're going to start out by Hunter telling us about the Hunger Games UK viewing party. Uh, Recently, well, on Twitter, I follow the Hunger Games UK because apparently the regular Hunger Games is too hip to have a to have a Twitter. <laughs> I also just I have a hipster. Um, basically, what they did is they it was an online viewing party, kind of like what they did, what you did on Nightlock yeah. with the Hunger Games, and it was super interesting. Uh, because along with that, there were like competitions on the side. It tied in with the Hunger Games Explorer. I don't know how much you've used that, but if it's a good site, you should check it out. Um, Basically, you earn points by like tweeting things. And as you saw from my Twitter feed, it was, I I went a little overboard, but (laughs) it was it was a good experience uh, getting to interact with other other tributes, and um, there were some games on the side, like you could find out what character in Catching Fire you were mo- most like, and I am most like Finnick, which made me super happy because he's my favorite. Awesome. I'm so sad I missed it. I had to work and everything because, you know, I'm an adult now, so I got to do stuff like that. But yeah, hopefully I can make the, uh, I guess, Mockingjay one, I don't know, or the yeah. whole second one, but fun little thing to do on St. Patrick's Day. Unless you live under a rock, I'm sure you've heard that Philip Seymour Hoffman died a few months ago, and it's really affected the cast and crew, and also the production of Mockingjay, and this will be his last film that he is in, because it comes out uh, 2014 later this year, and next year, 2015, and Francis Lawrence spoke to USA Today about his death and how it affected the cast and crew. We have a few quotes here. Quote, it was obviously very rough for us all. He was a friend. He was an amazing actor, an iconic actor. He was someone I really looked up to. We shut down for a day to give people time to deal with the sudden shock of it all. 
and try to sort of figure things out a little bit. We as a cast and crew definitely honored him. We gathered everyone together and had a big moment for him. We still think about him every day. It's hard not to imagine him being here. And he talked a little bit more about how it's affecting production and filming and how they're making accommodations. Now, at the time he spoke to USA Today, he was still trying to figure things out, Francis Lawrence. He said, quote, there was very, very little that was left. Even if Hoffman had a number of days left, most of those moments were appearances and other scenes. Most of his dialogue was done. We're still trying to figure some of that out. And some reports are saying that Philip Seymour Hoffman will be added via CGI for apparently one last major scene that they can't not have him in. So Would, it's hard to speculate what this could be. Can I have some comment on this? Definitely. Go for it. Awesome. So I think that it would be super interesting if they did this right. You know, CGI is good, but it could be like the next level of CGI if they did this correctly. It's a shame that he won't be able to film it himself. But I think it's super nice that um, that they're considering doing this in place. Also, what scene do you think that was? Oh, it could be. I'm trying to think of like the major scenes he's in in Mockingjay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like he's such a major character. Really, it could be so many. But going back to what you're saying about CGI, it's it's good that at least we have the technology that we can put him in there. But I'm glad it's only for one scene that we're still getting him as an actor. And you know, as Francis Lawrence was saying in the quotes I was I was reading, he's just an iconic actor that you know believe oscar nominated if not award-winning like you know he's gotten major recognition and for him to not be in it is quite a loss but at the same time i'm glad we have the technology to be able to still incorporate him and there's not gonna be like a major scene where he's not there so you know i I guess Mm. it's kind of working out yeah so moving right along um catching fire released on dvd and blu-ray march 7th and Hunter has a review for us because he, I'm sure, went right out and bought it, right? I did. Uh, actually, I got checked out of school. That's how obsessed I am. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it was pretty great. I spent like a week debating what version. I'm pretty sure for about a week, Lionsgate was plotting to uh, for me to fail all my classes because they just kept announcing like new versions and then you have to like, think it all. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So with Hunger Games, there were just like three different versions, and they were all available at like each retailer. Mm-hmm. But uh, with Catching Fire, um, I don't know how it was over in East Coast, but over here, uh, Walmart carried a version, Best Buy, and Target. And so you couldn't get like the same version in one place, which was kind of a bother. But uh, in the end, I decided to go with the special edition three-disc. And I'm super glad I did. Um, so it kind of looks like a book. And then when you open it, there's, like, different pages with a DVD. There's one with Katniss, one with Peta, one with Finnick, and one with Gale. And it's super interesting. And I like it a lot. Um there was also, of course, the standard version. Um, there was the Blu-ray version. And also there was um, 
like I don't know what that's called. It's you know the the metal box version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, each of them had some different special features. So, so what special you features have... came with the one that you bought? Uh, well, I really like this one because it came with an entire uh, different disc that the other two didn't have. Um, it contained like another documentary. It was just like added information about like the process of like production or the actors or yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know what special features you watched. Did you watch the documentary for Hunger Games or Catching Fire? Uh, either one. I think I watched the Hunger Games one. Yeah. Okay, so they did one of those for Catching Fire. So that was included in the standard versions, but this one um, also had like I don't know cuts from that that didn't make it in. Set as another documentary, which was super interesting. Like a director's cut. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on it. I um, I definitely need to go out and buy that. Maybe I'll ask oh, for yeah. Easter or something. <laughs> there, um, there's some other bonus features that I'm going to take a minute to talk about. Um, there's some awesome deleted scenes, which made me super, super excited. Oh, those are my so, favorite. <laughs> Yeah, there weren't any with Hunger Games, which made me super sad, but there are with Catching Fire. Um, so probably the most iconic one was Finnick tying the knot. Um, we saw pictures of it that they released early on in productions. The one where Katniss is like staring blankly and Finnick is behind her. We yeah. never saw that in the movie. But in the deleted scene, we found out that that was the scene in the training center where he ties the knot, and I really like that scene. Uh, also, my personal favorite scene was this one with um, with Philip Seymour, and he goes down these stairs into like this dungeon, and it like lights up, and there's this wall covered in different Roman numerals. And he, like, puts a key in, and he pulls out this box, and it's the box with um, the game on it, with, like, um, you know how they read the game. For the quarter quals, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So he pulls out that box, he pulls out the letter, and he burns it and puts a new one in. Wow, so that's kind of like, because we've speculated on the show before, if yeah. they've decided, like, if they knew that ahead of time, or they changed it, and I think... I can't remember what I said, but I want to say that I was in favor of them changing it. Mm -hmm. Or they had a bunch to choose from, then they chose that one. But that little clip reveals a lot. Yeah, I really like that one. So it was super simple, but super good. So once again, if you haven't gotten a copy, you definitely should. And you're recommending the special edition Blu-ray? Yes, I definitely recommend that one. Awesome. I don't have a Blu-ray player, but maybe I'll just get it anyway. Does it come with a, a <laughs> DVD? Uh, yeah, it does. Oh, well, I'm all set then. All right, well, the next news story um, is kind of fast-forwarding till the end of the franchise. Unfortunately, there probably will be one. The last scene of Mockingjay Part 2 was somewhat revealed, more hinted at. 
Uh, Francis Lawrence said in an interview with MTV that the final moment will be a very small, minimal scene of Katniss hunting. That's a direct quote. He added that they're filming Mockingjay a bit out of order. Quote, the very first scene we shot was almost the very last scene of part two. So all Mm. we get is it's a very small, minimal scene of Katniss hunting. So there's a couple questions that go to this. Do we think it's going to be in the epilogue? She's going to be older. Is it going to be in the present day? I don't know. What are you thinking? Uh, Well, I can tell you what I would like them to do. Okay. So I think that um, in in the end of Mockingjay, the book, she's kind of in the meadows with her children and PETA. I think it would be kind of cool if we just see her hunting and she is a bit older and then they like pan around and and PETA is like playing with the kids in the meadow that would or be she's nice. like hunting with them. Yeah, or like teaching her daughter or yeah. son, whatever, like how to hunt. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid that he's not gonna include the epilogue because there's been talk in the fandom that it wasn't it was a little bit cheesy. It's like, oh okay, she's just with PETA with her kids in a meadow, you know, like mm, yeah, that, kind of that was p- picture perfect. Probably um I I wasn't a huge fan of that it was mostly the last line that got me she talks about how like they're much worse games to play which kind of annoyed me a little bit yeah it's like that's the last line but they're much more much worse games to play the end which which is quite cheesy so if they made that a little less cheesy but they still like showed or um like let the readers know that she was with Peta, then they should definitely include that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think Susan Collins is, like, ever cheesy, except the epilogue. I think all epilogues yeah. are just cheesy. It's very hard to have an epilogue that's not cheesy. You know, I even look at Harry Potter, it was kind of cheesy. You know, I loved it, but it was cheesy. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens with that one. I mean, we have to wait, like, a year and a half, so a long wait. Yeah. And some more Mockingjay news. Um, Robert Kepner, I want to say, um, will play a new character to the world of Pan Am named a- Antonius, I want to say. Um, yeah, there's speculation, I'm so bad for this character. Yeah, there's speculation he's going to play President Snow's minister, but really it's just speculation. We, we don't know, and the actor doesn't even know. Um, at the time he spoke to MTV, he said, I know what I read for. I read this last summer it's a huge movie this is huge two movies and i know that what i got is now this doesn't even make any sense I'm just taking it. <laughs> um, so robert kepner um had a quote with mtv saying that they're so secretive about this and that they're not releasing any information and at the time he talked to mtv he didn't even know really what character he was playing so this is, I believe, the first character to be added from the books. That's like a major character, meaning not a major character, but a character with a name. What do you think about this? Uh, I think that this could be super interesting. The other day from a really reliable source, I actually think it was IndieWire, which if I'm not mistaken, were the people that confirmed that Sam Claflin had been cast as Finnick originally. I, I want to second you on that, yeah. Okay. So um, I read an article in that, and they said that he was his minister. And so uh, they they talked about the description of what that was. Um, so basically, with pl- 
Plutarch, like, being gone to, um, and helping the rebels, he needs, like, a new a new Plutarch, basically. Oh. So uh, they they were... They said that they believe that this is actually like Peta's torturer. Oh, I see. Which could be super interesting. Especially if we get to cut to see Peta being tortured at some, you know, not not too extensively, but seeing him in the Capitol's hands, he's whatever, tied up, whatever they're doing to him. Or we'll see when they give him the drugs to make him, his memories go all weird. That will be interesting to see, but I kind of, I like this idea of adding new characters because it makes it a little bit different from the books. I think the first movie was almost too close to the books. Yeah. So it's nice to have a little bit of a change because the first movie are like, all right, this is going to happen then this is going to happen and it happens. Um, And the second movie like strays away a little bit just to have enough of a difference where you don't feel like you're just reading the book. But usually it's the opposite in fandoms. They're like, you didn't do this right. You didn't include this, but... Sometimes they include too much. <laughs> so speaking yeah, of I... new actors in the franchise, now we have Natalie Dormer, who is best known for her role in Game of Thrones. She's playing Cresta in Mockingjay, both part one and two. And a major part of her joining the cast meant that she was going to shave her head to play the character, just like it's described in the book. And it ended up being only half her head, but still, it's shaved. So it, you see her on the red carpet, and she's making quite a fashion statement. Uh, she's yeah, said, quote, she, she can pull it off, though. Yeah, I think so. It, it looks good on her. Like, I, I, would look, I would look horrible, but, like, you know, it, it makes it seem like she's starting a fashion trend. So we'll see. Who knows? Hunger Games is starting a lot of fashion trends, I think, with Trish Somerville. <laughs> um, so Natalie said, quote, when I got... The job a few months ago was under the condition I was going to lose all my hair, which I made my peace with. Which, man, kudos to her. Uh, She said, thankfully, a U-turn meant I only lost half, which was a huge bonus. But it's just a colossal production to be a part of, and the joy of being able to get physical and run around with Jen and the boys is fantastic and long overdue for me. So she sounds like she's so ecstatic to be a part of the cast, and it'd be great to be able to... You know, we're getting all these new actors. I think a lot of franchises kind of... You don't get new actors, but with the Hunger Games, hey, people constantly dying. You got to have new characters. It works. Yeah. I um, I have a little bit of news that I just remembered. Go for it. Can Go I? For it. Okay. So uh, I recently heard that Lionsgate, this is just like a money grab. They're auctioning off. I think it's like currently the price is set at around $300,000 to be not a main character but like an extra in mocking jay. Yeah, I saw that on a Harim's news site and I was just like that's crazy. I wish I could afford that. I know. Man, that'd be that'd be cool. I mean, it's going for charity, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, at least it's going for a good cause and they're not just cleaning up and, you know, taking all of our money. So <laughs> that's true but at the same time it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous that you know they could have had another way like this percent of their profit went towards charity but Mm -hmm. you know if you can afford it then why not yeah and our last bit of news for casting um this happened a while back but i don't know if we actually ever mentioned it i don't know if it ever fit in 
Um, Julian Moore has been added to our growing Hunger Games cast as Alma Coyne. And she's truly taking on the role with respect to us fans. She realizes how important the series is to us. And in an interview with Digital Spy, she shed some light on the responsibility she feels to bring this character on the screen, like faithfully, convincingly, all that good stuff. And um, she said, quote, there are some things that we have been written that the fans are adamant to be there. So she said, we're taking that responsibility very seriously, which not a lot of actors go out in the media saying, look, fans, don't be scared. I am I'm totally 100 percent in, you know dedicated to playing this role and i think it's a little bit it's reassuring to see that uh she's taking it seriously because a lot of these big actors are kind of just i don't know they they get higher whatever they do but like she seems very invested yeah i agree so it'll be exciting it's like all, all of these um big names i mean the other two weren't big names but overall the cast has some really really big names so very exciting well, that's about it for the news for now, I think. I think that's about all we can handle for news. <laughs> My head is going to yes. explode. Uh, we can move on to fan favorite, Through the Eyes of Katniss Everdeen, where we take oh, yeah. two chapters and analyze them. And, ma'am, we're on to book number three. It's kind of bittersweet. Yeah. It's like, we're going to be done with these soon. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> well, Catching Fire ended... With so many cliffhangers, we had um, Katniss being lifted from the arena along with Finnick and BT. She finds out that she's part of the Rebels without really even knowing it and knowing that there even was Rebels. She learns there's a District 13. She learns that Peta and Joanna are gone, that Joanna attacked her because she wanted to take the tracker out of her arm. So much stuff in the last chapter of just learning, and now we're kind of thrown back into the world in Mockingjay. And we start out by being in District 12, and Katniss is visiting her old house that she grew up in, not the one in Victor's Village. And she's just astonished that the Capitol firebombed District 12, that's another part, I forgot to mention, major part, that once Katniss shot the wire into the shink in the armor of the um, arena... The Capitol went in and firebombed District 12. And so now she's walking around the ashes of her old district. And she says, this is all on the first page, that uh, Katniss ordered to seize District 12 before she was going to cooperate. And um, Plutard Heavensby said, all right, let her go. You know, it's it's worth it because otherwise she's not going to cooperate and everything. And um, she's a major part. So we're reminded again that uh, Joanna hit her down during the games, the 75th games, and she has a concussion. So right now she's kind of uh, very fragile and emotionally kind of physically still with the concussion and she's slow, not as slow as Finnick as we'll see later. But we also get uh, introduced to that she's on drugs for her pain mood. And I think that's um, something that's different in the first two books. We don't really see any drug. I mean, we have Hamish drinking, but aside from that, I don't think we really see any drug use, right? Uh, Yeah. I don't think there's that much. Yeah. And like, she's being prescribed it through, 
I, I, I would say like I don't know what they're called. I, I mean, in our world, they're called doctors, but who knows what they're called? Healers. Healers. Okay. Yeah. So she's being prescribed and everything, but um, um, you kind of see that she is definitely has PTSD. I think in Catching Fire she did, but now it's very extensive because she's lost Peta. Not that he's died, but she doesn't have uh doesn't have him around anymore and he's not only just not around that he's being tortured by the capital and she doesn't even know if he's dead but then she says um it might be good if he was dead it'd be better because then he wouldn't be tortured um now i have a question yes do you think at this point she still um loves Peta, or is she leaning t- more towards gail I think it's so hard to think that she can love someone like that right now because she has so much post-traumatic stress and she's still worried about, you know, the future. She she kind of feels like her family's safe. She even says that in this chapter that she feels like they're safe and Gail's family's safe. But I think she just misses Peta and is just very worried for him. So it's hard it's hard to say if she's really like in love with him, but I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think that at this moment, she's like kind of on the fence about it. Like she still kind of loves PETA, but at the same time, he's gone now. And I think it really changes later on um, when when they rescue him. You think that's like a pivotal moment in their relationship? Yeah, I think so, because. He's kind. He's pretty much gone at the moment. Yeah, to it's gonna be different. Like in the film, to not have Josh be on the film all the time. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know Jen can carry a movie, but it's uh, it's gonna be really. It's gonna be so depressing. At least like Catching Fire, there's moments, at least that kind of lighten the mood. But I feel like they're gonna. They're really gonna be struggling to keep it you know, have those comic relief moments and things like that because it's just so dark. Yeah, I just keep telling myself that it's okay because Finnick will be in it. <laughs> That's very true, yeah. Of course, he's, like, in a really bad place, but at least he's, he's there. <laughs> That's true, but he's he's there for now. Yeah, and, yeah, both Katniss and Finnick are really, really struggling uh, just to kind of stay stable. And one of the ways that Katniss does this is by telling herself simple facts about herself. So we see this throughout the book. And it says, my name is Katniss Everdeen. I am 17 years old. My home district is District 12. I was in the Hunger Games. I escaped. The capital hates me. Peter was taken prisoner. He is thought to be dead. Most likely he's dead. It's probably best if he's dead. So she, she kind of just goes on these tangents. But she starts out by saying, my name is Katniss, whatever, just to kind of get her back in the moment that she is like, this is really happening. Cause I think she struggles a little bit with what's real and what isn't not to the extent that Peter will, but she definitely still does struggle. And Gail is up in a hovercraft. They're hovering over her cause she just wanted to be down in district 12 alone, but they're kind of following her around like her posse. Um, <laughs> and she says an interesting quote, kind of powerful. Some walks you have to take alone, meaning that she didn't want Gail walking around with her and, I think she's really kind of just taking everything 
by herself and she's kind of not looking at all her friends as allies which yeah eventually she does but i think she's still reluctant to and as she's walking around district 12 she's passing by these dead bodies thinking i killed you and you and you so she's got a lot of um guilt and it's you know not good for her but we are reminded that on the victory tour president snow came and said um or during the victory tour sorry um he said katniss everdeen the girl who was on fire you have provided a spark that left unattended may grow into an inferno that destroys panem and we're just reminded by this because katniss has all of this pressure on her that she needs to be the mocking jay and be the voice and i think we get into it a little bit later but that she needs to pretty much just be the face and embodiment of the rebels and be a leader and she really doesn't have that in her right now um 90 percent of her district is dead um and it said 800 made it out alive and are living in district 13 um and she feels conflicted to work or not work well i guess she's working but to live in district 13 because without them she wouldn't be a rebel she would just you know be back in district 12 and there wouldn't be as much of a um a conflict in her life and everyone's lives at this point um and just being part of the plot to overthrow the capital is a quote she said about that um and there are obviously a lot of pros to living in district 13 you the district 12 citizens have escaped hunger and oppression but there are other things like they're living underground and they're in a full full scale blown rebellion um and sorry that a lot of this is just kind of background information so i'm gonna try and blow through this but um you're good but yeah gail really stepped up as a leader and during the bombing he got district 12 a lot of people out 800 and he got them into the meadow um and then they stayed at the lake and katniss's mother and prim were kind of the healers as um hunter you were saying and so they all kind of like worked together but they uh they were out there three days and then district 13's hovercraft came and saved them all um and a little bit about district 13 we're learning this chapter we're really learning a lot about it and um you know it might seem a little trivial right now but you know when you're first reading it it's like you finally learn about district 13 you've been all you know all during catching fire like what is this district 13 is it real like if it is how do they operate what happens um so we learn that they get three square meals a day clothing and living um quarters but um a little uh, kind of side note that we learn is that a pox epidemic killed many people in District 13 and left a lot of them infertile. So they're kind of welcoming of new people because otherwise, you know, their population is slowly dwindling. Um, and we're also introduced to Dalton, which I don't remember him. Does he come up later in the series at all? He's from District it. 10. Hmm. I don't even remember that name. Um, yeah, I just saw it and I was like, I don't remember him, but maybe I'm just totally blanking out. But yeah, he's a District 10 refugee who went on foot years ago, um, which he was ahead of the times, huh? Figuring all that out. But um, 
and more more sad news is that PETA's family is dead and you know we're not sure exactly the status of PETA's living at the moment um and there's no word on Madge she's kind of just out there and we never really learn what happened to Madge um some people say that her and Gail got together but I don't know what do you think I I like that but yeah think that happened <laughs> <laughs> you ship them but in reality yeah. um and she has another uh good quote about just walking around district 12 she said it's not wondering what i breathe in but who that threatens to choke me it's just oh. lines like that that just sends shivers up my spine of susan collins writing and just the power behind her words is just a little bit mind-blowing um a little bit more information about district 13 we learned that um People there, if they're 14, they enter into the military and are called soldier. So throughout the book, we have Soldier Everdeen and all that and Soldier O'Dare. Um, and they're also, you know, getting an education. And so Katniss moves on. So kind of I'm. it sounds like I'm skipping all over the place here, but she's kind of giving us this information about District 13 as she's walking around District 12. So she kind of goes between those two topics which i should have mentioned earlier but hopefully you caught on um fulvia which is um plutard heavensby's assistant is urging katniss along with alma coin and plutard himself that she needs to be the mocking jay and i know there's a quote around here somewhere that talks about how she needs to be... Yes, here we go. The symbol of revolution, the Mockingjay. It isn't enough what I've done in the past, defying the capital in the games, providing a rally point. I must now become the actual leader, the face, the voice, the embodiment of the revolution. So it's quite a task for a 17-year-old girl with the history that she's had. And... Um... I she couldn't heard, imagine doing this yeah. uh, in, like, a year. Could you? No. I can't imagine doing this two years ago when I was 17. I mean, that's just crazy. Like, you know, you're in our world, a, you know, junior in high school. And that's a, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of uh, responsibility yeah. on your so- shoulders. Um, and we're learning about uh, BT, who is safe and in the weapons department obviously because he's a brainiac and can develop all of that um as we mentioned before fennec is really mentally slow and really worried about annie um and katniss really quick goes when she's in her victor village house which is the only place that hasn't been affected by the bombs um she grabs her parents' wedding photo, her family book of medicine and edible plants that her and Peter were working on. And she's kind of just thinking to herself, what am I going to do? And how Sin is probably dead. Um, and she said, to become the Mockingjay, could any good I do possibly outweigh the damage? So she feels like she's already, you know, neck deep in blood that can she really turn this around and make everything worth it? You know, does the end justify the mean, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so she's kind of debating all these things and then she runs into buttercup. And so she kind of just stuffs her in her bag, literally to bring her back. And lastly, she gets her dad's hunting jacket, which she's really glad she brought to the house because otherwise it would have been scorched. 
And this is where it gets interesting. Finally, what I've built up to. President Snow left a white rose on her bedside table or somewhere in the room. And Katniss right away kind of views it as a promise of revenge and describes it as white as snow, which is kind of funny. Pun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the last line of the chapter. She's talking about how it speaks of unfinished business and it whispers, I can find you. I can reach you. Perhaps I'm watching you now. It's very eerie and that's where we we uh we leave things off and we turn things over to you for chapter two. Awesome. Okay, so chapter two opens with Katniss returning to the hovercraft and she is riding with Gail and they're both sort of silent. They're kind of mourning what has become of their home. And Nothing too eventful happens on that hovercraft ride, but they they get back to 13, and Katniss goes and she takes the um, the items that she has received to her um, mother and Prim, and there's this great line in it, and um, Katniss talks about how a well, District 13, like, it's super time-oriented, and so they they print their schedules on their arms, and uh, I think it's reflection time, but Katniss says that whatever reflection time becomes, like, 12 o'clock cat adoration time from Prim. Yes. And uh, I think... It's kind of it's kind of ironic that this cat has survived, you know, this these bombings and yet all of these people are gone, but at least Buttercup is still around. So, you know. Can't, I guess this is going to be everyone. the uh, yeah, this is going to be kind of the brighter light in the film that they'll have Buttercup, which is pretty sad yeah. and that's the happiest thing. That this ugly yeah. cat made it. Yes. Uh I'm going to go and buy Buttercup t-shirt. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, uh, she gives them once again, the, there's the photo of their dad and the, the medicine book and all of those things. And she starts to describe what district 13 looks like as we saw at the end of catching fire, or at least, well, I guess that is where they would have to be. Um, they're in the bunker. So district 13 is pretty much a giant bunker underground, um, the elevators are super interesting, which is, like, the main way they get between things. It's kind of like a Ministry of Magic-type elevators. Yeah, like they, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory style, but not yeah, shooting up move, into the air. They move sideways instead of up and down, which is super cool. And they move super, super fast as well. So I'm really excited to see the way District 13 is laid out in the movie um oh just a side note uh apparently next month the trailer for Mockingjay is supposed to be released at the MTV Movie Awards what now I need to watch them yep how am I gonna fit that into my schedule when is that that's April right you said yeah yeah oh all right so yeah make sure to look forward to that Uh, um anyways back to 
Mockingjay. So Katniss is going around District 13, and she um, she goes to command, which is like their headquarters for for uh, the the rebellion, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And Gale is there, and Plutarch, and the other. I don't know, game makers per se of the rebel side. Um, And they like try to cover up what's going on, but she finds out and they turn on the TV and they find PETA is being interviewed by our favorite host, Caesar Flickerman. And I can't remember what color his hair is in it. My book while my kindle just died on me so i'm sorry that i do not have that detail but i feel as if his hair is a different color i think it's like orange um but Peta is being interviewed and katniss is watching and he seems to be in healthy shape and which makes her super happy that you know Peta is all right and throughout the interview uh Peta is defending Katniss and saying that she didn't know um, anything about this. And his purpose is to sort of, like, undermine the rebels. And he's trying to protect Katniss at the same time. And he tells them, he, he tells the audience that Hamish, um, Hamish lied to him about what was going on and that he didn't know what was going on. And he urges them to, like, consider what they're doing. And the broadcast ends. And that's pretty much what happens in Chapter 2. Anything to add, Kira? No, that was very concise and very well done. It's um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was looking for his hair, but I couldn't find it. But, Sorry. yeah, it's um, it's it's more of a slow start, but it's, it's that kind of book. It's not as much, um, I don't know, it's not... I don't want to say action-packed because it is action-packed, but I think it's just emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. So it's not as, um, I don't know, a happy read or an an entertaining read in that sense. It's definitely the darkest one. Yeah, and like I think the first time I read it, I was – because it came out in 2010, right? Uh, I think it was 2009, 2009, 2010, around there. Yeah, so – when it came out, I read it. I was on vacation, so I was just kind of absorbed by it. But I was like, oh, you know, it's it's not as good as the first two. I was disappointed. But I think now reading it as I'm, like, older, I think I'd appreciate it a little bit more um, because there's more politics in it. It's it's definitely – it's it's darker, and you have to have an appreciation for the type of book it is because it's so different from the others. So you can't keep it kind of in that same genre almost. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the first time I read it, I don't know how old I was. Maybe I was like 13. Oh, my gosh. 12. Around you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I I hated Mockingjay so much the first time I read it. I was like, what is she doing? She's just killing everyone I like. And then Peta's going crazy in the corner. And basically, um, as the more I've read it, um, the more I've come to appreciate it, like you were saying, uh, I really like Mockingjay. I really like the the political side, like you were saying, but also the look at, you know, people rising up against and how 
I think that the messages in Mockingjay are the most important. Uh, they may be the darkest, but they're definitely important. And that is that when a dictator comes, they will eventually, you know, the people will find a way to overcome that. And I love that message. Definitely. It's, it really comments on, you know, just our, our human history and what we've done in the past. And it kind of just takes a lot of what ha has happened to us and kind of throwing it in the future. And we're still making these mistakes. You know, we're never going to learn. Hopefully, eventually we will learn. But yeah. as of right now, it's not looking too bright. This is our future. Yes. Can't Just wait. kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, that was depressing. So we're going to move on to a happier <laughs> segment. Capital Opera. I got to say, one of my favorites. It's a little bittersweet doing it without Matt. But, you know, the show must go on. So I picked out a song which... I was telling Hunter before the show, I've wanted to do this song for years. And I can actually say that now because uh, Nightlock is almost three years old. My little baby, almost three years. So I'm really excited to do this song. I, now I've built it up so much. It better be good, huh? Um, oh, yeah. I'm excited. Yes. The band Oasis and their song Wonderwall. So let's take a listen and then I will give you everything I think. No, I'm just kidding. I'll just give you the highlights of how I think it relates to the series. So try and pick out, uh, you know, what you think I'm going to say. You know, you guys know me by now. Predict what I'm going to say. All right, here's a listen. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you got to do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Backbeat, the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out I'm sure you've heard it all before but you never really had a doubt I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now quotes um hopefully you picked them up that really directly to the hunger games it's kind of um kind of eerie <laughs> that it's so closely related in my opinion the first quote today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you i kind of viewed this as the capital is gonna give a tribute an edge to win so that that could be you know like in in any of the games it doesn't have to be uh you usually i'm relating to the 74th games but because it's kind of like what i think of first but, um, and I think when I read this, or, yeah, I was, when I was thought of this song, Connection to the Hunger Games, I think I was currently, like, reading the Hunger Games, so that's why I'm relating it to that. Um, but anyway, um, the second quote, um, are lines, by now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. 
and this is kind of about like having to kill other tributes in the arena that like when you're in there you think oh maybe i'll just try and survive or i'll do what the morphlings did and just kind of hide and hope everyone else kills themselves and others um but by now like the tribute should have figured out that what their plan is and that they're gonna have to execute their plan as well as other people uh and then the song goes on to say i don't believe that anybody feels the way i do about the way i do about you now there's so many things that i'd like to say to you but i don't know how and i viewed this from Peta's perspective of wanting to tell katniss how he feels about her but he's not really sure how to convince her that it's real and not just part of the games because you know they're playing the whole star-crossed lovers angle so she might think it's acting, but he kind of wants to say, like, no, this is real, because he's probably thinking that Katniss does like him, but, you know, once they get out of the arena, it's not what he thought it was going to be. Um, more lines I'm going to throw at you, because maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. And Peta knows deep down that Katniss is going to save him in the arena. I'm getting corny now. <laughs> um, got two more for you. That the fire in your heart is out. So I kind of viewed like Katniss is losing her hope or spark and Peta's ready to reignite it kind of um, like in the cave. I feel like we're over, always referencing the cave, but it's such a so many great scenes in there um, when he's talking about how the first time she sang in school and the first time he saw her and everything that it kind of reignites her passion that she wants to go home, that she's going to get them out of there. And then the last line I want to leave you with here. And all the lights that light the way are blinding. This is kind of going back to the Capitol and how any hope is unattainable because the Capitol just kind of shoots it down. And, you know, I'm going to be kind of corny and say, like, you know, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but, yeah, so basically, like, I think a lot of these lines can very closely related to PETA's perspective and what he's trying to do with Katniss in the games and also just general games of how the tributes need to view the games and how they need to kind of keep going and have a, uh, a hope to win. Mocking mail. So I have an email from TC. Catching fire was better than the first movie. I've noticed that the general consensus is that the first book is better than the second but the second movie is better than the first. I think this has to do in part because of the different directors. Gary Ross did a good job in directing the first one, but he had some glaring deficiencies in the action department. What I did miss was how great the book shows Katniss and her feelings for Peta. If one only watched the movie, one gets the impression that Katniss has no feelings for, for Peta at all and that it was a complete act. From what I remember of reading the books, Katniss initially did pretend to love Peta to save them both during the games, but that one kiss in the cave did awake feelings that Katniss never felt before, not even with Gale. I totally agree with your comments about Stanley Tucci. In short, the casting was well done, and I think the priority to get people who could do their role well was a clear first priority over anyone's preconceived notions on what the characters should necessarily look like. TC. All right. Thank you, TC, for that email. Um, I, I agree with you. I thought that the second movie was definitely better than the first and that if they just, like, 
it, it's super nice having both seen it and read it because then you get a feel for both sides. Yeah, I think like I just definitely it was a long email, so I took parts out of it. Um, so that's why it probably doesn't sound as you uh, remember typing it, TC. But I think those first two lines you read about um, the first movie not being as good and Catching Fire being better, um, but the opposite for the books. Um, I feel like most people I talk to have that opinion. So I definitely wanted to share that because I'm sure most of our listeners can relate. Um, and the whole Katniss and Peeta thing. Hmm. I feel like Jen did a great job with showing that Katniss cares about him, but doesn't quite love him like Peeta loves her. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I I agree with that. I think that uh, what I heard a lot of was that Jen was too emotionless, which really bugged me because she. I thought that she portrayed Katniss perfectly. It wasn't so much Jen as it was Katniss, you know, like, I guess 100% of it is in Katniss's head. So it's kind of hard to portray that, but I think she did a good job showing what she was thinking on her face. Definitely. I think when people say, like, oh, she's too emotionally, it's just like, did you read the book? Katniss is emotionless. Jen is doing a great job. So it's, yeah, it's frustrating when people say that. It's like, come on, get with the program. But, yeah, I, I feel like Jen did a great job in that. Katniss, you know, doesn't show emotions, but she has a lot going on in her, but she kind of bottles it up and puts it away. But sometimes that bottle breaks and it erupts and everything. So just like, um, I actually saw the movie a couple days ago, so it's all fresh in my mind. But um, when PETA gets electrocuted by the force field, like that was pure. She was not holding anything back, Katniss, because it's just all happening in the moment. Like she's not thinking clearly all she's just so concerned about Peta, and so i think like you know showing jen like she totally went all in for that as well so i disagree with you there tc i think that um i think jen kind of played that fine line really well but um yeah the casting i think you know i'm always hesitant when they first cast people i didn't like um sam claflin at first but now i love him and that's usually what happens with me. I hate the casting at first, and they grow on me. Oh, uh, I, it's kind of different with me. Like, So I'm not good at picturing characters. So when I do picture them, and it, which is super rare, then it really bugs me when they don't look like it. And I just like picture random characters. Like I pictured Annie, and I pictured her like nothing. Um, like Steph Dawson is, is too old. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But I was super happy with them casting uh, Sam Claflin. I know my older sister was freaking out and she was not too pleased with the casting, but I was super chill with it. So we'll we'll see. I don't know if they just made her look older because that it makes her look like madder, kind of like crazier, mm-hmm. I mean. But I don't know, like she just looked like she was 40 and I was like, that yeah. doesn't seem right. And she's supposed to be younger than him. That's right, yeah. So I don't know what was really up with that. I'm I'm trying to look for how old the actor is right now. I tried to find it the other day. It's, like, not recorded anywhere. Not that I could find. You'll, you'll probably have better luck than me. I don't know. We'll see. I'll have to report back on that issue. Or you yeah. listeners can email in and save me a homework assignment. 
pass it on to you. But she's been actor active as an actress in 2006. I mean, that doesn't mean much because some people can act when they're really young. But yeah, I was very surprised in the movie. She just looks really old. You can see a picture of her on um, the Hunger Games wiki. Um, it says she's 20 to 23, but she looks like she's 40. So yeah, I had, I had an issue with that. But hopefully uh, when she's actually on screen, they'll make her look a little younger because it was a flash. So it's not too much. Yeah, that's true. And she was crying, but mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. Yes. Just have to wait and see. I feel like we always say that, but it's like it's so true. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, it's been a great show. I think we were like ending right on time here. I love it. Um going to do a few shameless plugs before I go. Um, if you're looking for someone to give you some social media advice, I'm your go-to person. Uh, I'm a social media curator, so if you're interested in any, like, guidance um, or, like, podcasting guidance, like, you know, I love when you guys email in that you're looking to start a podcast and you want some advice. You know, those just always make me feel so great. I love when you guys email in, you know, and I can give you advice for free. You know, I'm just saying uh, kind of giving myself a little bit of an advertisement if you're interested in actually having someone doing your social media um, or, you know, being your advisor, officially advisor for it. Uh, yeah, you can email us. Um just on the normal email address. Um, or you can tweet me at Kira Deneen. Um, you can also email us for Hunger Games related things. That's always a good thing. Uh, for previous topics. Um, sorry. Topics on previous episodes. Or what we talked about today. Um, you know, we're very open to responding to things. Even if it's, you know, episodes and episodes back. It's kind of fun to look back at what we said. Or, you know, how our opinions have changed. Things like that. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nightlockpodcast. You can follow us on Twitter at nightlockpod, P-O-D. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Kira Deneen. You can follow Hunter on Twitter at Huntlock. Kind of like you should, Nightlock. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, should so definitely follow me. I have like 100 followers and I will follow back. Ooh, wow. That's an awesome promise. I usually follow back if for Nightlock, I try and follow back. Fun fact, if you interact with Nightlock Pod at all, like if you favor something or retweet something or at reply us or anything, I usually follow you back. So if you're looking to get some follows, just shout out, be like, hey, love Nightlock Pod, and I'll follow you back. So that way you can promote us. We can follow you. Everybody wins. Mm-hmm. Um, See, so yeah, all the links we mentioned are on our website, and Hunter's Twitter will be in the show notes, as I believe I did before. If not, it's definitely going to be in this one. Um, so you can go to nightlockpodcast.com for everything. You don't have to remember anything but nightlockpodcast.com. And to leave us our iTunes review, that would be wonderful. Uh, we need some new ones, guys. You're, you're lacking. You got to pick it up. I'm, I'm doing my part. Hunter's doing his part. We need you guys to do some iTunes reviews. There's no we way we can you. expand without it. Yeah. If you want to sign up for our email alerts, man, these plugs are so long. I got to get it shorter. <laughs> email alerts, sign up on the sidebar of our website, lockpodcast.com. All right. Well, we like to end the show with recommendations, and this one is all Hunter. We're changing things up a little bit. We're sticking with the Hunger Games theme, as we always do, but we're doing music. What do you got, Hunter? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I want to recommend um, the album Bad Blood by Bastille. Um, I love Bastille. I love this album. It's a lot of the songs are super Hunger Games y. Some of the songs include Things We Lost in the Fire, which is 
like the definition of what Katniss was doing in chapter one, just thinking about the rubble and all that they lost in district 12. Um, you couldn't have timed that perfectly or more oh. perfect. <laughs> um, the way of living, which is about uh, like what, what it takes to live and, you know, what is like the line where the line is drawn. It also includes a song called Bad Blood. I mean, hello, President Snow smells like blood. There's not much worse blood than that. So check it out. Once again, that album is called All This Bad Blood by Bastille. I'm so surprised I didn't connect this with The Hunger Games because my roommate plays this album all the time, like on repeat when we're like getting ready in the morning for classes and stuff. And now that she'll play it, I'll be like, I'll be connecting it. Like, yeah, Hunter was talking about that. I totally get it now. So yeah, I'll second your, uh, I almost said nomination. Um, I'll second your (laughs) band recommendation slash album recommendation. Um, It's definitely a great album and it's Hunger Games. So, you know, kind of in our, in our world, we can say it's Hunger Games. Yes. Well, that was a packed episode. It felt good recording again, and I'll give a little bit of a teaser. We have some exciting stuff coming up for Nightlock um, coming this September. Uh, I can't release any information yet because it's not set in stone, but I'm like 95% sure it's all going to happen and everything. So stay tuned. You know, be checking the social media for us and obviously listening to our shows. But yeah, it's going to be very different come September if uh, it all works out. And I'll leave it at that. Well, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you, well, hear you, you'll hear us on the next episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye.